Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Had that study been completed and published at the time, it would have been an important contribution to the debate and moved the case that sugar contributed to heart disease forward. Okay, that's a researcher by the name of Dr. Stanton Glantz at the University of California, San Francisco, talking about what sounds kind of like a conspiracy <laughs> involving the sugar industry. Now, when you dig a little deeper, maybe it's not quite as dramatic as that, uh, but certainly it appeared as though research, a major research project, was going in a direction maybe they realized was going to lead to an uncomfortable conclusion for those in the sugar industry. And so they basically uh, left the research alone, didn't follow it through to completion, and basically kind of swept it under the rug. There's a lot we know, obviously, about sugar. Maybe had this uh, study gone through to its completion, as you heard, that we would know a little bit more, we would have known it sooner. But this matters because, uh, you know, sugar's everywhere. And we know, more or less, that we should uh, avoid it when possible. We should enjoy it in moderation. But at what point does it become dangerous? What kinds of health issues, beyond even just uh, what the scale tells us, when we stand on it, should we be worried about? So joining us to talk a bit more about what we know about the risks of sugar, how we go about avoiding those risks, and maybe what this uh, latest controversy tells us. Very pleased to welcome to the program Dr. Yanni Friedhoff. He's an assistant professor at the University of Ottawa, also founder of the Bariatric Medical Institute, author of the book, The Diet Fix. You can read more of his writings at his website, weightymatters.ca. Dr. Friedhoff, welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. Uh, first of all, your own impressions, I, I guess, about uh, what, what this tells us, the uh, suppression of this, this data 50 years ago. Should we be at all surprised by that? I don't think that anybody should be surprised that an industry would want to stop funding a project that might suggest that the thing the industry makes isn't particularly good for you. Uh, So I don't think this is unique to the Sugar uh, Institute, nor do I think it is something that is, uh, you know, uniquely evil or malicious. It's just what companies do. They need to protect their interests. That's their job. And if they're funding research where the outcomes aren't looking good, Continuing that funding seems like it's not going to be in their best interest, and therefore they'll cut it. Well, and some people might look at that and say, well, did it really tell us anything we, we didn't already know? That people know that, that sugar is not good for us? Well, so, you know, I'm not sure that, that it, it didn't do that. Uh, so the research that was being conducted, it's important to point out, was being conducted in rodents. And uh, people are not just large rodents, and we can't simply assume that what's found in mice or rats will be found to be the same in human beings. 
but the data was looking at the impact that sugar was uh, potentially having on mice in the context of uh, heart disease and bladder cancer. They were looking at a particular compound that had been linked in mice or, or rats. I can't remember if it was mice or rats um, to heart disease. And so had they been able to demonstrate conclusively that sugar increases this particular byproduct and then further along the lines of research actually proven that it did in fact increase cardiovascular problems and or bladder cancer in mice, um, that likely would have suggested we need to pay more attention to sugar than we had been back in the 60s and may have led to further lines of research that would have informed where we are today in understanding what is and is not true about the risks of sugar. The problem with a lot of the studies that are being done, and this is not um, not criticizing researchers by any means, it's just that when it, the translation time comes from rodents to people, we no longer have the ability to do what we do with the rodents in terms of having captive populations of, you know, genetically identical animals that we can manipulate their diets, you know, very carefully. Now, with people, we can't do that. So when it comes to nutrition, these mouse studies, they often carry a lot more weight than perhaps they could or should but it's a consequence of we don't have a choice. We can't do this to people, and so we need to rely on these studies more, perhaps, than uh, is fair. Right, and we need to acknowledge the limitations, and I guess, of that kind of research, but also, as you say, to underscore why, why it matters so much. Yeah, no doubt. And, I, you know, I, I, it's, it's interesting watching the coverage of this story. I, I, I think that what's, uh, what's being covered really, again, is just normal behavior from industry. And so we saw with tobacco when tobacco was trying to protect its products. And, you know, we all at this point in time look back and think, oh, we're, we can't believe we allowed the industry to do the things that we allowed them to do way back when. I think we're starting to wonder whether we're doing that with food, not just sugar, but just if nutrition in general. And have we allowed you know, the system to be gamed in the context of research. And I think there's great research out there, there's bad research out there, and it's up to, uh, unfortunately, it's up to us and to try to figure out which is which. And that's problematic, especially in the context of nutrition, where everybody wants there to be dietary demons and dietary heroes, where, you know, health would be all you have to do is avoid this food and eat that food, and you're going to live to be 100 and and do so healthfully. Um, Because of that desire of the public for these very, you know, simple messages that in turn are supposed to confer health benefits or protection, um, we're going to see a lot of interesting reports on food and so some of the hyperbole uh, will also come from media well and there's certainly been a backlash against sugar and you know it's tough to to stand up or defend sugar obviously in in light of what we do know but uh, those who say look you need to avoid it uh, entirely cut it out of your life Uh, it's going to kill you it's going to cause heart disease might even cause cancer we hear all these kinds of things about sugar so um, has the pendulum swung too far in that direction to some degree um, you know, yeah, probably. I think that again, we we have we're we're missing the forest for the trees. Right. At the end of the day, the way we use food as a society is really not healthy. You know, food is used to reward, pacify, and entertain our children at every turn. And I'm not talking about health food. Um, we use food to fundraise for hospitals by selling, you know, Dairy Queen and, and cookies and all sorts of ridiculous foods. Every meeting that occurs in any office anywhere will have junk food accompanying it. 
Uh, we're now spending twice as much money as we used to on ultra-processed foods, and we're spending more than half of our food dollars on foods we're purchasing outside the home. You know, if people want to stop worrying about uh, what, what the latest news report says about sugar or anything else, cooking the vast majority of your meals from fresh whole ingredients, eating those meals together ideally around a table free from distractions with your family members, uh, not smoking, uh, making sure if you drink alcohol you don't drink to excess, um, getting good night's sleeps, cultivating friendships and relationships and exercising as much and as often as you can enjoy that's going to give you a really good grade in health, and it's just not going to sell a lot of newspapers. No, that's true. But it is, is it safe to say that as a society that we probably consume too much sugar and oh, we would be better off reducing that? Yeah. Yeah, undoubtedly. We consume too much of everything, quite honestly. Well, that's but, probably true. You know, there's, there's no question that we're consuming a, a very large amount of sugar, especially from liquid sources. It is the easiest and lowest hanging sort of fruit in targeting weight management or, or dietary improvements, which is to reduce as much as a person can enjoy reducing uh, the liquid sugars in their lives. Uh, the amount that we're consuming staggering. It's one of the reasons why uh, I would support a sugar-sweetened beverage tax. I do think that we, we consume too much, but moreover, we can in a sense take advantage of the amount that we're consuming uh, and perhaps use the billion or so dollars we would raise a year in Canada with a penny an ounce tax uh, to fund uh, subsidies to healthier foods or initiatives that would help especially uh, the underserviced and underprivileged folks um, with uh, improvements to their dietary patterns, choices, and and access. Yeah. And by the way, I want to get you to clarify one thing for me, because we hear a lot of this these days with all these different buzzwords out there. What's what's natural versus what's not? I mean, is, is sugar sugar? Is there any difference between uh, what's what's in one soda versus the pure cane sugar that's in another or what shows up naturally in, in orange juice or grape juice, for example? I think sugar is sugar for all intents and purposes. You know, it's it's whether it's made in a beehive or in a, in a plant or in a manufacturing plant. At the end of the day, if it is removed uh, and in its purest form sort of put somewhere else uh, in the context of honey or concentrated fruit juice or fruit juice as a whole, um, it's the same. And in fact, I would argue that if we're talking about the healthfulness of beverages, uh, juice to me, uh, I often will describe it as a less healthy beverage than soda because nobody confuses soda with health. And people are drinking and drinking more juice or more frequently because they believe it is either not so bad for them or in some cases good for them. And that becomes problematic. At least with soda, there's no veneer of health. So what are the consequences of not addressing this in society? It kind of gets back to what we know about the risks of of sugar. Certainly, we we know the connection between uh, calories and and potential overweight, obesity issues. But is is it it more than just that? It might be for sugar, although... Uh, remember that there's a very large percentage of the population who consume sugar-sweetened beverages, but not an insignificant percentage that doesn't. So especially for the users, so to speak, um, the risks may be really significant in the context of they may really be over-consuming dramatically because when we see the per capita numbers and they're high, and then remember that not everybody's drinking it, then for the drinkers it's really high in some cases. There may be unique risks to sugar in the context of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, in the context of heart disease. Um, we also have a country that suffers a great deal or struggles a great deal with type 2 diabetes, and certainly uh, having diets higher in sugar is not good for those with type 2 diabetes. 
And so, yes, I do think there may be some unique concerns with sugar, and especially, again, back to sugar-sweetened beverages. There's no real nutrition need or benefit from consuming them. So this is a, it's a treat that we overconsume very dramatically to the point where it may be affecting the health of people in a country with socialized medicine, and that's when we need to perhaps pay attention. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it there. Uh, Yanni, some great insight, as always, more at weightymatters.ca. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. There you go, Dr. Yanni Friedhoff, assistant professor, University of Ottawa, also founder of the Bariatric Medical Institute, author of The Diet Fix, uh, his thoughts on sugar, uh, why we need to consume less. I don't think he's saying avoid it altogether, avoid it at all costs, cut it out of your life. But that uh, as a society, we do consume too much. So how do we uh, consume less? The ways of discouraging sugar consumption, encouraging uh, more healthy habits. But maybe we need to have that conversation. What is interesting, though, about this study that we alluded to at the beginning is we, we did kind of go full circle between this whole period where we all pointed a finger at fat as the enemy until we finally circled back just recently, it seems, and realized, well, wait a sec, Turns out that fat is getting a bad rap all along. Who knew? What's interesting, though, as pointed out by Stanton Glantz, who's involved in this uh, new study published in uh, PLOS Biology, says the sugar industry got involved in efforts to influence this debate. Quote, what the sugar industry successfully did, he argues, is they shifted all of the blame onto fats. So maybe that's in part where that idea came from. So now we're kind of back here at the beginning realizing, okay, fat has been, uh, mis- been maligned here, misrepresented a little bit. Uh, now we're kind of back looking at sugar. So perhaps it did uh, set back some of this understanding a little bit. And the other side of it, too, and there was another study out last year from the University of Ottawa, or earlier this year, I guess. Uh, and, and this is interesting because while parents are the ones buying the groceries, buying the meals for the most part, Kids are seeing a lot of ads uh, for sugary treats, but not just sugar, though. But it says, uh, this story points out here, while your kids surf the Internet, they're bombarded by millions of food ads. And over 90% of processed foods and drinks packed with sugar, fat, and salt, according to New Canadian Research. A study commissioned by the Heart and Stroke Foundation, scientists out of the University of Ottawa found that in a single year, kids between 2 and 11 view more than 25 million food and drink ads on their favorite websites. Some of the most common, Pop-Tarts, Fruit Loops, Frosted Flakes, McDonald's, Happy Meals, Lunchables, and Red Bull. Which is a bit of a red flag, too, because it's not just the sugar in those energy drinks. Uh, it's a lot of caffeine, and that's got other kinds of issues for kids. So that's all out there. And even if the parents are able to say no, does it have an impact after a while? I think is, there's got to be a connection here between how much this stuff is marketed and how much of it is getting consumed. But does that need to be reined in? Uh, 403-974-8255 is a telephone number. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more uh, about the shocking Grey Cup loss for the Stampeders yet again yesterday. We'll get some insight from a sports psychologist about how pro athletes deal with that kind of heartbreak. How athletes in general, maybe just people in general, deal with setbacks. 403-974-TALK is a number. We're back right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.